Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you will. If you've heard this sermon, this is the original. (laughs) Two years ago, we did our first outreach in the... uh, Courthouse Plaza in Prescott, Arizona. Always a great time. Trees and lawns and so on. There was a lady there, a young lady. I'd guess her to be 25 maybe. She had uh, started from Boston, Massachusetts. Worked her way across America. Looking, she was on a spiritual quest. She uh, visited various churches. And in the that first outreach two years ago in the summer, somebody witnessed to her and she gave her heart to Christ and was wonderfully saved. In her baptism, she related that she'd been on spiritual quest across America and she went into many churches that were fluffy churches. I'll let you use your imagination on what that means. So she gave that testimony that uh, in these fluffy churches, she was not confronted with the gospel. She didn't find what she's looking for. She stopped off in uh, Sedona, Arizona, which is a uh, a new age capital of the, the world, I think, and went to a fortune teller. And the fortune teller said to her, you need to go to Prescott. She came to Prescott and got saved. I think we need to take some flyers over to that fortune teller and say, (laughs) keep it up. The problem of Christianity today is that most people serve God in their own will, not in God's will. Dallas Willard, who is a writer and a disciple maker, he made the statement that in Western Christianity... People are able to join churches without ever being a disciple and showing no inclination they ever want to be a disciple. So that brings the problem that we have. And in this text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want to preach to you about militant Christianity. Let me read it to you. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life uh, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. I want to preach to you about militant Christianity on this night when we're going to aim our sights at world evangelism overseas. First of all, 
there's a required dimension that we're going to look at here. And uh, this required dimension is not natural to us uh, as human beings. That's a military mindset. 1948, I joined the United States Air Force. I know you can't imagine anybody being that old, but I really am. <laughs> I didn't join because of a patriotic uh, impulse. I joined because I had no place to live. I had no money in my pocket. I had no job. And they promised me three slops and a flop and $21 a month. <laughs> now, if you don't understand that language, three meals a day, $21 a month, uh, and a place to sleep. That's why I joined. No job, no home, no money. And joined the military. This totally changed my lifestyle. One day, I walked into the enlistment office. Uh, the next day, I walked out with a, t a ticket in my pocket to uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, and was a member of the United States Air Force going to basic training. So the required dimension we're going to talk about this evening is grace. Grace is a tremendous word. It literally means divine enablement, if you want to break it down. That means that you're able to do what you're naturally unable to do. They took me, as soon as the holidays were over, which was early January, they took me to a barber shop along with 60 other men. And we went into that barber shop, and I had uh, long, wavy hair cut in a ducktail in back. And so he says, how do you want it cut? I said, pull a little off the ears. <laughs> Shape it up in the back. He went, zzzz, zzzz, zzzz. And I came out bald-headed. They took me to a warehouse where they're handing out clothes. They hand me out clothes that didn't fit me. Hand me a pair of shoes and olive drabs. And I was a member of the United States military. By grace or being enabled by the enlistment I'd made, I was able to do what I could not do. Dallas Willard begins to remark about discipleship. He's a disciple maker. And he says that uh, this is what is generally neglected. And we see this in many churches today claim to be Christian churches. Come just as you are and they leave just like they came. You're not in that kind of church tonight. You're either going to be mad or glad by the time I get through preaching here. You're not going to be the same. So let's ponder this for a moment. Joel Osteen, who pastors one of the largest churches in America, in Houston, Texas, he is, claims to be a church, which I'm very dubious about that. But he made this statement. I don't mind people using alcohol as they're a Christian just as long as they don't come to church drunk. That's not Christianity. Nor is that discipleship. And this is the very least of their problems in Houston, Texas. They have a song leader. Used to be a part of our fellowship. And that song leader produced two illiterate children. Left his wife of many years. Then finally joined what is his soulmate, which is a TV personality, which they both say they're the happiest they've ever been in their life. 
Joel Osteen knew that this man was immoral. He knew that he was living with this woman immorally, and he knew that, but because of his talent as a musician, he kept him on staff. Uh, and when finally his brother forced him to do something, uh, he set him down for 30 days. Oh, oh, wow, I mean a powerful. You talk about discipline, I'm talking discipline. <laughs> this is Christianity today in America. And Christianity has become an empty form in our generation, fulfills the prophecy of the, of the Apostle Paul. Second Timothy 3 and verse 5, Paul said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men in church shall have a form of godliness, but denying the power of it from such turn away. That's the last day's prophecy. It's being fulfilled as we're sitting in this building tonight. Now, a soldier has distinct dimensions. A soldier has obligations. A soldier has requirements. A soldier has a demeanor. And as we ponder this for a moment, we need to understand that a mindset of a soldier is required of you as a believer in Jesus Christ. I remember when I went back from Australia in 1986, we had a family that had quit our church in Prescott. They wrote me a three-page letter. In that three-page letter, the essence of it was, we don't like your ministry because you are too militant in your mindset. I said, thank God. You finally recognized that and went wherever you're going to go to pursue that. So let's talk about this because we have a reality that needs to be embraced and that is a Christian life uh, is uh, an involvement in a conflict. The delusion that we have about Christianity often is it's a, it's a, a delusion. You're, you're having a mirage and you're not seeing correctly. And you see the image in Christian magazines, if you go look at some Christian magazines, here's a handsome man, has a, sh a, sh a shirt and a tie on, he's very well dressed, he's standing by a beautiful woman who has two little children, and this is, he's in a peaceful setting, this is depicting the Christian life, and they miss totally much of the revelation that is in the Bible. Recently, Donald Trump, and if you don't like Donald Trump, thank you for letting me know that. So I'll be warned ahead of time. <laughs> so there was a woman that lost her son in a battle. As she lost her son, Donald Trump said, well, as he talked to her, when he enlisted, he knew that as a possibility. The whole world came against him. That's no kindness, no sympathy of any kind. He was sympathetic, sympathetic, but he simply was telling the woman something's true. When you join the military, uh, you put your life on the line. Can you say amen? They warn you that they control you. They own you. I'll tell you about that a little bit later. And so when he said, you signed that paper, and as he told him, when he signed that paper, he knew that that's a possibility of paying the ultimate price. So here's a contract. And here's a contrast to the picture that is drawn. Is verse 4, an engagement in warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, 
That's a description of this Christian life. You know what's the main problem with many people today? There's never been a fight. You know what a fight is? Blood. When I was 18 years old, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona with my mother. My parents had divorced and I was living with my mother and stepfather. And I went to the movies. And as I went to the movies, uh, there was a girl that caught my eye and I started flirting with her. The problem is her boyfriend was there. <laughs> the next thing you know, me and him are outside duking it out. <laughs> I did fantastically well until he caught me in the temple and knocked me cold as a cucumber. My friend rode me around in a truck for an hour and a half, and I'm, I'm still woozy. I mean, he laid me out. That wasn't the only fight I was ever in, but that's the one I lost. <laughs> that's the problem with much of today. They, they've never tasted blood. They've never had their eye blackened. They, they've never been knocked down. They don't even know what fighting's all about. All they know is Floyd went... Uh, Floyd Mayweather and McGregor uh, uh, making millions of dollars on a TV screen somewhere. That's all they know about fight, uh, and you're missing a great part of life. <laughs> you learn many lessons. When you learn about fighting, you learn you better win the th fight or you're going to be all bloodied up. My dad told me, he said, uh, don't fight. But if you do fight, make sure you win. Whatever you have to pick up, club, rock, whatever, just make sure you <laughs> And so he planted that in me, and it stayed in there. I was in the Roman uh, Colosseum some years ago on one of the tours, and the Roman Colosseum is where many Christians uh, paid with their life. They uh, fought gladiators to the death. Many of them fought wild beasts. And so as you stand there, if you know anything about history and you're looking out at that majestic structure, this was a place uh, where many, many Christians uh, paid with their life. Uh, and you can't help but uh, understand that their blood has stained the sands of the Colosseum in Rome. Many men come home from battle with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. VA hospitals are filled with them. Uh, 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 many many uh, men in Australia have fought valiant battles. Uh, I've been to Gallipoli. Gallipoli. When I go to Turkey, I say we want to go to Gallipoli. It's not on the it's on the tour, but I say it's only 15, 20 minutes over there. We want to go there. We want to see where many Australians uh, paid with their life in 1917-18. Make them take us there. So our hospitals are filled. Agent Orange, many people in Australia even are suffering from Agent Arms. There are people uh, perhaps in your neighborhood or in your hospitals uh, that are missing limbs that they suffered in that. Uh, and here we live in a perverted generation. You probably are aware of these uh, men who are born with too many muscles and no brains. They call them athletes. Refusing to stand when the national anthem is played in a football stadium, and that's one of the great shames of our generation. Fire the whole bunch. 
Send them to Russia to live. Don't keep paying them millions of dollars to be out and show off before crowds. It's one of the great uh, uh, shames, uh, the perverted generation. May God give them their just rewards, uh, which the stands ought to be empty. No one will go to watch these people who are a national disgrace. So attitude now of this mentality has pervaded the church of Jesus Christ as you and I are gathered here. No longer is there the commitment that there used to be. Men are in our churches. Some have been ministry who resent authority. I remember when I came out in 2009, a man wrote me a four-page letter instructing me how I ought to run the fellowship. I ignored it. I didn't answer him. It didn't even deserve an answer. Some people don't deserve being answered. Can you say amen? I went ahead doing God's business and God salvaged the Perth Church and the Australian Fellowship. So let's look for a moment because we're talking about reality. If you're going to be a Christian, you need to embrace reality. Read the Bible, and it gives you many instructions about how to be a Christian soldier. You need to understand your calling. You make a human decision when you bow your knee to Jesus Christ. You have many options. That's true. But there is a commitment, and that commitment when you bow your knee to Jesus Christ or surrender to ministry is that you make a commitment no longer to please yourself. But now you've stepped into a different dimension and you are not choosing a career. You're choosing a calling that God gives you. Many, many people are playing at being a minister. And there used to be a day, and there still is to some men, you could get a young couple, bring them into your office and say, I want to talk to you about an opportunity. They say, I'll take it. No, I didn't even tell you where it was. We don't care. We'll go. Is that still in anybody here today? It's in me. Every time John Perry preaches, I want to go resign my church and go to the mission field. <laughs> He's a genuine missionary. And I, uh, I just marvel. I say, thank God. Pour it on him, Lord. Let, it, let him preach. Jerk everybody's heart out like they're jerking my heart out. <laughs> so let's ponder this for a moment because as I said earlier in the week, the churches are filled with good people doing nothing and that ought to never happen. So let's think for a moment as I conclude about the distinctive dimension that we have here. In 1948, I enlisted in the United States Air Force. And as I enlisted, God got a hold of my heart and I was in the United States Air Force. When I went overseas to Guam and the Marianas Islands, the Korean War broke out in June of 1950. Suddenly everything changed. Now the dimension kicked in. They let us know that we enlisted for three years You'll be in as long as we want you in. I went to Guam and I went over because it was hard duty in those days, very few modern facilities. And they said uh, the tour duty because it's so, so bad, it was only 14 months. They said, you, you'll get back when we get, when we get through with you. Your enlistment no longer or your tour duty is no longer 14 months. It's when we get, uh, when we get through with you. Shortly after I enlisted, I went to uh, uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. They took us into a large 
uh, hangar, uh, several hundred of us, set us on the floor and said, now we're going to read you the articles of war. I said, oh, okay. And so for about two hours, they read through the articles of war, which in essence was, we own you now. You're going to get up when we tell you to get up. You're going to go to bed and we tell you to go to bed. You're going to go where we tell you to go. You're going to do what we tell you to do. And if you don't do that, here's the penalty. <laughs> and it was not, it was not a happy time. <laughs> we had men who were so hooked on alcohol, they were drinking uh, uh, aftershave lotion to get the alcohol of that. Made him crazy as a pet coon. So <laughs> it was an interesting dimension. But when we got through them reading the articles of war, we knew what we had done. And we knew what they're going to do to us unless we do what he, they, they said we enlisted for. Biblically, a soldier is a calling. Romans chapter 1 verses 5 and 6, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ. Now underline that word wherever you find it in the Bible because that changes all the dimensions of life to bow your knee to Jesus Christ is not an optional place. You have surrendered to the calling of God in Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 1 verse 26 for you see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So here we have the uh, uh, definition of a personal decision that God has made about you. When you respond to the altar call, give your life to Jesus Christ, you've enlisted in God's army. And that changes all the dimensions of life and God has made a decision about you, and that's going to change your life. I heard a quote that I gave this morning, I think, uh, I can't remember, I think it was John Perry. And that is that God won't make you do what you don't want to do. He'll just make you wish you had. If you don't believe that, read the book of Jonah that he preached on this morning. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, unto which he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this for a moment. It's been a great privilege for me. I pastored this church for uh, three different times. Glorious privilege that I have. Uh, some of the most, uh, most uh, uh, glorious moments uh, of my wife and I's ministries was that we were able to pastor in this church uh, among the Australian people. When I first came to Australia, I uh, uh, had God speak to my heart. That was in 1977. Uh, I was part of the International Church of the Four Square Movement. And I came over to preach. I preached uh, in uh, uh, Catanning. I preached in Albany. I preached in Vic Park. I preached in Morley. Uh, I think I preached in uh, a couple of others there. 
for three weeks we spent here, but God got a hold of my heart. And I saw that God's doing something dynamic. The Jesus people movement we had cranked into, it had not started yet in, in Australia. I went back to uh, my church in Prescott, Arizona in the January conference of 1978. I challenged a music group that was very prominent in our church uh, uh, that uh, I want to send you to Australia. You're going to go over and, and play in these churches. And it was a wonderful event. They played in many churches. We couldn't get in churches in America. Uh, very rarely you ever got a church or any kind of a ministry there. And we sent them over. They played in, in school auditoriums. They put banners across the streets uh, in uh, Conley, at least I know. And it was a glorious event. And God had already spoken to me. He's going to call one of those young men to come and pioneer a church. As soon as he got back, he came to me and he said, would you send me to Australia and uh, let me start a church? I said, uh, yes, I've been waiting for you to come. And we sent him over. And that, that started what was originally this first church uh, in Beachboro. And the rest is history. You've done a fantastic job around the world. You've, you've, you've survived the pastorate of a couple of idiots. <laughs> I don't even hesitate to say that. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say that. Nor am I going to apologize. Uh, you go tell them I'm, that that's what I said. <laughs> but they're sitting in this building tonight. A glorious group of people that have been called by God, have surrendered to that call because being a Christian is surrendering our will to God's will. Amen. That's what being a Christian is. And so in America, they uh, train military forces. Some of these are SEALs or special forces. And they put them through some of the most rigid training that's almost unbelievable. Uh, they make them do exercises till they're absolutely exhausted, think they're going to die. And uh, some of those who've been through those say, just about the time that you're ready to ring the bell and say, that's all I can take anymore, the uh, leader says to us, uh, you've only reached about 40% of your ability. <laughs> so these are special forces. They got Osama bin Laden. Thank God. Can you say amen? Killed him dead in a hammer. No trial. When you do that, there's no trial. There's no, there's no wrestling about law. They just caught him and killed him dead as a hammer. Which they should have done. In love. <laughs> so here's the Apostle Paul. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy's having a hard time. He's the pastor of the church in Ephesus. He's having a hard time and he writes these words. He says that what you need to do is you need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4 he picks this up because uh, Timothy's getting a little bit timid. And as he picks this up in Hebrews 12, verse 4, he says, You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now, let's go back to fighting. What he's seeing is that Timothy's chickening out. I don't know if they're criticizing, talking about you. If you don't want people to talk about you, don't go into the pastor. I shake hands every 
Sunday with people I know has been talking about me. Smile at them and say, it's so good to have you. Lie through my teeth. That's, a, that's, that's part of being a pastor. You have to, be, have to be kind to dumb animals. This is verse 3. And verse 3, you therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you've never read the book, Citizen Soldiers, you need to read that. It talks about the invasion of Europe in World War II. 148,000 soldiers landed on the coasts of Normandy and France, went on in from that to, to defeat Adolf Hitler. It is a fascinating book that causes your heart to beat for those precious men, which one author says the greatest generation because these were young men who left their homes, they left their farms, they left their uh, childhood to fly airplanes, to drive tanks, to fight a war. And as you read that citizen soldier, your heart leaps for these brave men and the hardships they fought for weeks in freezing weather in trenches to defeat Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany. Citizen soldiers, the suffering that they went through is almost unbelievable. But you and I uh, are sitting in this building today free because of those soldiers and others from Australia and England around the world. First uh, Corinthians 16 and verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. What is it they are calling men today? Snowflakes? <laughs> that only fills my imagination. God give us men. The wonderful thing you've heard me say earlier in the week, thank God we got a man who has all the equipment of the man, Donald Trump. If you don't like that, why, God bless you, you need to pray. <laughs> Donald Trump has changed the world, and he's still changing the world, and he's going to change the world, and you keep praying that he puts some people in prison, which he's going to do before it's all over. So let's ponder this for a moment. Because here God demands men. Those men were real men. During the Second World War, as they were fighting their way across uh, Europe, uh, they were having a very difficult time. And the Germans broke through a master stroke in what's known as the Battle of the Bulge. We were suffering horrible losses, horrible defeat. But we had a man. But he's such a man that they've exiled him down in Cyprus. His name is George Patton. He's a tank commander. He knew how to fight. The reason they removed him is because he knew how to fight. And they're not fighting. He's under their skin all the time. So they've given him a desk down in Cyprus and put him in exile. But they're losing so bad that they said, we know a man that knows how to fight. That's, uh, that's George Patton. They sent down, pulled him out, and he turned the war around. Because he knew how to fight. Now, let's shift this into the gospel tonight. Uh, 
Because as you're here in this building, as Paul wrote to Timothy, quit you like men. He's pulling on Timothy to begin to act like a man instead of a snowflake. And that's the call that you have tonight. You're going to be criticized. I remember sitting in office here with a man named Adrian Van Leen, a little twit from the Church of Christ, who got disturbed because we were having revival in Mount Lolly, came to get me straightened out, and so I'm listening to him, and, and I said, go talk to any of these young people. They're saved. They're delivered from drugs. They're wonderfully saved, and he's not listening to a word that I say and say it. I said to him, incidentally, uh, what church do you pastor? He said, I pastor the Church of Christ. I said, how many people are in your church Sunday morning? Well, uh, well uh, 26, I think he said. I said. 26. We've got more than 26 laying on the floor most of the time trying to find a place <laughs> to get in the building. Can you say amen? I finally saw I'm wasting my time, and so I just... Closed my Bible, but it was one of those unusual times that it popped like a shot. Pow! So he went and wrote his little twit newspaper that I slammed my Bible on the, uh, on the uh, desk and didn't listen to him anymore. That wasn't what I did. God is calling for real men and women. Most women will follow a man who will show them that he knows where he's going and he's doing what he knows to do. Say, well, this is a women. Women say, no, it never was. Where I was in a Sunday school teaching one time and I had a, a guy that had just been pulled off of drugs and so he's sitting on the front there and I'm teaching this Sunday school and the subject came up of women and men and he said, but men are, uh, but women are, women are smarter than men. I said, yes, but they're not in charge. I know they're smarter, but they're not in charge. Men are in charge. I didn't do that. God did that. If you're mad at that, go talk to God. <laughs> yes, some of them act like women, but that's sad. Can you say amen? <laughs> and that's why we have Bible conferences, and we, act, act, we ask people like Wayman Mitchell to come preach at them. <laughs> None of you have any doubt about my sex. So we're not, dis we're not uh, insulting women. We're not discounting women uh, because they are very valuable to what we do. But we can't do what we do without their support. And John Perry and Neil McCann both mentioned that. I took note of that this morning. But most women just want a man to take charge and lead them in being a man of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment as we ponder this. Uh, Christian, militant Christianity. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. 
we remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.